Today I want to share with you something that, I, to be honest with you, I, I hadn't planned on sharing. Um, uh, I actually work on my sermon calendar like a year in advance. And uh, about a, a week and a half ago, I just felt like the Lord just saying, you need to punt your um, plan and you need to say, you know, talk about what's uh, on your heart. And that's what I want to do this morning. Um, I want to talk with you just what was going through my mind uh, two years ago when the Lord decided uh, in our lives to be able to launch a church, to start a church, a new church in North Clarksville. <clears throat> there was a specific verse that as I read it, it literally revolutionized my thinking. And I remember I had this huge satellite imagery map of North Clarksville. And I took, I printed out the verse and I, I stuck it smack dab in the middle of it. And uh, the verse is really, um, it's my heartbeat. It's, it's what really launched one church. And uh, I want to talk to you about what that verse is today because it's so near and dear to my heart. Um, uh, before we get to that verse, I need to give you some background. Uh, so let's do that. We're going to be in the New Testament in a place called the Book of Acts. Um, and uh, I'll give you what's gone up to this point. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are four books written about who? Jesus, that's right, their biography of Jesus, and it's four uh, guys, uh, two of them were disciples, two were not, who said, you know what, I'm, we want to be able to write Jesus' story down. So they talked about Jesus' birth, they talked about when he was 30 years old, he started his ministry, um, he, uh, he starts teaching, he starts healing, he, um, he gets baptized by John, uh, the religious people don't like him, so they kill him. Uh, he is in the grave for three days, and then on the third day he rises again. And over 500 people saw Jesus after he was resurrected. So um, that happens, and he, the 40 days after he was resurrected, he gets all of his followers together, and he says, here's what I want you to do, guys. He gathers 11 because one failed, Judas. But he gathers 11. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples of all people groups, of all nations. I want you to baptize, I want you to teach them, and when you do that, I'm going to be with you. And uh, he says uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses, first to Jerusalem, that's, they're like, that's where they were at, that's their backyard, okay, cool, Jerusalem, into Judea, wonderful, that's good, um, that's a little bit broader region, we're getting, you know, we're going, Samaria, that's not really good. Those people aren't really like us, and we really don't like them, and there's this animosity between us. We're really not on speaking terms, but if you say so, Jesus. And then he drops the bombshell. And I also want you to take it to the ends of the earth. The Jewish mindset at that point, really, for many of them, is that Christianity, this Jesus thing, was just for Jews. And it was a, it's really what we talked about, a lot about last week, the us versus them. That was their mindset. And they really didn't like to the ends of the earth. So they go out and they start uh, uh, preaching and teaching and start planting churches. And they start planting churches with the Jews. And they, they're, they're in Jerusalem and they're hanging out there. And then they go to Judea and they're forced to go into Samaria. And that's where they stop. They say, we're, we're done. And God's like, you're not done. Because you, you, I want you to go to everywhere. This gospel is for everyone we looked at last week. So God takes a dude by the name of Paul, uh, and he had a past. He was a terrorist. 
He was a mass murderer. He killed tons of Christians because he thought he was doing a good thing for God. And uh, kind of sounds like today, in this day and age, doesn't it? Hey, let's, uh, you know, in the name of God, let's go out and commit atrocities. And, and you have different religions that do that. Well, God, uh, Jesus kind of put a smack down on Paul. And, and, and Paul got right, and he come to know Jesus Christ. And he says, you know what? If you guys aren't going to tell everyone, I'm going to tell everyone. And he starts going, he starts planting all these different churches all over the continent of Asia. Now, Asia is where Israel's at and Jerusalem's at, and he's all over Asia, Asia doing this stuff. But it hadn't really went anywhere else yet. Hadn't went to Africa, hadn't went to Europe. It's just a one-continent thing in Asia. And uh, in Acts uh, chapter 16, verse 4, this is where we're going to be at, Acts 16 and Acts 18, he's traveling and starting different churches in all of these towns and cities. And this is what it says in Acts 16:4. Then they went from town to town instructing the believers. So they're out hanging out, they're teaching, uh, they're, they're planting churches. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. Up to this point, Paul stayed in that one continent. And what was that continent? Asia. That's exactly right. They pretty much stick close to home because that's where the traditions were at. That's where Jerusalem was at. That's where his friends were from. That's where his heritage were from. Uh, I mean, everybody that he was hanging out with, many of them were just like him. They were Jews. Uh, but God's plan was bigger than just the Jewish nation. He loves the Jews, and he loves everybody else. So... um uh, God has another plan for Paul because Paul is just, hey, let's just keep doing ministry the status quo. Let's keep doing ministry the way we've been doing it. Let's just go to the Jews. Let's stay on Asia. In verse 6, it says this. Now, Paul and Silas, Silas was Paul's traveling buddy. Uh, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. Phrygia is a very cold place. I'm joking. Phrygia. Okay, anyway. Um, because and now look at this. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time, so they're on the continent of Asia. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. Aren't you glad y'all don't have to pronounce these names in front of a bunch of people? But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now, what does that mean? The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. That Jesus prevented them from preaching, did not allow them to speak. How did God tell them no? Did he send them an email? Did he say, you know, okay, you, yeah, don't go there. Don't, don't do it. Did he do that? I don't know, to be quite honest with you, how he did it. I doubt it was by email because there wasn't electricity. There wasn't computers. But he somehow, Paul was able to sense, um, I don't know if God even audibly told him, don't there. And that's exactly where Paul was comfortable. Because up to this point, Paul had been doing the same things over and over and over and over again. Um, he, I mean, that was his plan. Look at this, though. And, um, I don't know why God prevented Paul from preaching those areas. In fact, I was, it was at Paul at that point. I'd have a big question mark. Why, God? Why? Paul's going to figure out why here in just a sec. But God is telling Paul, my plans are not your plans. And I have something different. I have something different for your ministry. I have something different than what you've been experiencing up to this point. So um, 
God is tinkering and saying how you've done ministry is going to change. Who you've done ministry with is going to change. And where you've done ministry is going to change. And in verse 8, God's been saying, wait, wait, wait. And in verse 8, this is what He says. So instead, now instead of what? Instead of planting churches with people He's most comfortable with, instead of keeping it just on the continent of Asia, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Now, Troas is, you don't probably have ever heard of that city, but it's the different name for that city is Troy. Y'all heard of Troy, right? Helen of who? You know, the big b- uh, horse, the wooden horse, right? You know what I mean? Um, so uh, this is after the whole wooden horse incident. Um, but uh, this is, so he goes to Troy. He checks in at a beachside hotel, and he's sitting there, and he's just waiting. He's waiting to hear God. He's waiting to say, God, give me some clarity. You say no here, no here, no here, no here. Then where do you want me to say yes to? Well, look at this. I love this. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece, by the way, that's located in Europe, not on Asia. A man in Macedonia from northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and what? Help us. Help us. God gives Paul a vision. This vision is of this non-Jewish dude over in a different continent that he's not from, and he's saying, I want you to come over and I want you to help us. I want you to come and I want you to plant a church where no church has been planted before. I want you to come and tell us about Jesus Christ because nobody has told us about Jesus Christ yet. I want you to come where the need is greatest. There's a great need here. I want you to get out of your comfort zone. And God has given Paul a vision of what's going to happen. God's given Paul a vision of a need. And the need was great because it was very dark there. God gave Paul a vision for the lost, a vision for outsiders, a vision for people who weren't going to church yet because they didn't have a church to go to. God gave Paul saying, listen, here's this need here, and I want you to go, and I want you to go, and I want you to meet that need. I want you to tell them that Jesus Christ came into this world to die for them. God loves them so very much. So Paul awakens from his vision... And this is what it says in verse 10. So we decided to leave for Macedonia in a few weeks. We're going to hang out here. You know, this whole, you know, this Troy thing, I've not went to go see the replica of the wooden horse. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of things. At once, that's what it says. He left for Macedonia at once, having concluded what? That God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded on a boat at Troas and sailed straight across. I mean, that's, that's cool, because let me tell you, up to this point, it's, it's been fairly smooth sailing for Paul. He's had some resistance, but um, he's going to experience shipwreck, he's going to experience beatings, he's going he's gonna to be imprisoned, and all that's future in his ministry. Because God is saying, I want you to go to a place where it's darkest. Light shine best in the darkness. And I want you to go and I want you to sail out of your comfort zone and I want you to do ministry differently than what you've been doing. And that leads us to our big idea today. Our big idea is simply this. 
that to reach people, nobody else is reaching. You've got to do things nobody else is doing. To reach people that nobody else is reaching, you've got to do things other people aren't willing to do. That's the reason why we started One Church. Is you know what? We know that 86% of Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. And you know what? I am tired of being in churches that argue over things that really don't matter. That argue over color of carpet. That argue over color of whatever, to argue on, you know, what it should be this style of music or that style of music, I don't think God really cares. I think God wants to get on board with a church that makes their focus the lost because that's what Jesus' focus was. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. Jesus' focus was the lost. He says in himself, I came and seek and save that which was lost. I came for the outsider. And you know what? I've been that outsider before. I have been lost before. And I think God wants every church to make Jesus Christ the focus. And once we put Jesus in his proper place, that we go out and we tell other people about Jesus Christ. So Paul gets out of his comfort zone. And he says, okay, I'm going to do things that nobody else is doing. And you know what? You know who opposed him? We're going to find out. Religious people. Look at verse 18, uh, chapter 18 of verse 1, and this is where we're going to stay the rest of the evening. Uh, rest of the morning. Dear Lord. All right. If you're here in the evening, you're going to be watching the movie and not listening to me. Uh, the Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. So let me just talk a little bit about this. I, by the way, this is my favorite book of the Bible is the book of Acts, so I could be on here for, until this evening. Um, he goes to Athens, and in Athens, he, uh, Paul is just like, he's really trying to connect with these folks. But to be honest with you, it was a ministry disaster. Nobody really in Athens really accepted him. Um, in fact, let's read what it says in, in Acts 17, 32 and 33. It says this, When they heard Paul speak about Jesus being raised from the dead, some laughed. Huh. Ha! That was a good one. Yeah, tell me another one. All right. uh, then that ended Paul's discussion with them. Well, I guess so. But you know what? Because Paul was a church planner, Paul didn't give up. He persevered. He says, you know what? You may laugh at me. I'm just going to leave Athens, and he's going to go to Corinth. And he goes to this very spiritually dark city, Corinth. Let me give you some background there. Corinth um, was a major metroplex, about 600,000 people living in Corinth at the time. That's a lot of, that's a lot of folks. Corinth was a, a seaside town and had two harbors, two ports, and it, they traded literally with the world. They had tons of exporting business and importing business. Um, the, uh, Corinth, the kind of the tagline for Corinth is what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth because it was like Las Vegas. It was Sin City. Uh, they had thousands of prostitutes. Thousands of prostitutes. And even though it was this military hub, this uh, economic hub, uh, it was also the hub to worship the goddess of love. It, her name is Aphrodite. Y'all remember her in, in sixth grade? You know, um, So it was all about love. And they had all these thousands of temple prostitutes. Uh, uh, Corinth sports was a big thing there. They had the Corinth Titans. Um, and in fact, Corinth was the only city to have an amphitheater uh, there apart from Rome. Uh, so sports was a huge thing in Corinth. And this town, this d- d- 
very dark place where sex runs rampant and um, worshiping all of these other gods, God sends Paul there because God loves the city. God loved Corinth. God loved Corinth, even though it was a jacked up city so much that it was sin city. God says, I love that city so much that I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die. So he sends Paul in there. And in 18.2, Acts 18.2, it says this. Then he became acquainted, Paul goes into Corinth, he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. There they had been uh, expelled from Italy as a result of Claudius Caesar's order to deport all the Jews from Rome. So you have this really godly couple, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. They actually leave. Uh, they get kicked out of their town in Italy over some racist issue. That uh, The government was really racist and they kicked him out of the town. But even though racism is sin, God was able to use one person's sin to get this couple exactly where they need to be so that they could be missionaries and church planners along with Paul. So Paul starts building relationships because as a church planner, when you go into town, the first thing you start doing is you build relationships. You build relationships. So he starts building relationships with this godly couple who had no formal seminary training. They had never been to seminary. They never had any Bible classes, nothing like that, but they were good Bible teachers. They were just they were fantastic lay people that God used. Now, some of you are here this morning saying, you know what, Chris, I've not, does, my, does my service even count here? You know, does, does, does I, do what I do really matter? Uh, does what I do inputting cards and data in a, in a computer or helping out with children or setting up a table, does that really matter? You better believe it does. Because you're normal people just like Priscilla and Aquila. Congratulations, you just made the Bible. You're in there. This couple partnered with Paul, and literally, we're going to find out, they turned the city upside down. That they do something phenomenal in the city. Because they were open, and they're saying, here I'm at, use me, use me. So, that's Priscilla, and that's Aquila. You know how many volunteers it takes to, to run this service? And to do church the way we're doing it throughout the week, over 200 volunteers. We have volunteers to help uh, greet. We have volunteers to help put data entry in for the people who do the cards. Uh, we have uh, volunteer staff members that come and pray and are over ministries. We have people to help set up sound and people to set up lights and people to set up power and uh, people to, uh, to sing on the praise team and people to work in children's ministry. Uh, we, have, uh, uh, we have people... Um, who keep the offices clean, that set up signs, that count the money, that do administration, that do bulletins, that clean up, that do donuts. Yes, Lord. All right? To do, I mean, security, to do setup, to do t- all this stuff. And I- I'm telling you, you're just like Priscilla and Aquila. You're like, you know what? I'm here. I'm available. Use me. And that's exactly what... Uh, what happened with Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. Now, as a church planner, when you go into a town, one of the things you start doing, it, it takes time to build relationships. Uh, but he also had this trade. You also need some money. And so in verse 3, it says, Paul lived and worked with Priscilla and Aquila. And they were tent makers, just as he was. Let me tell you what that word tent maker is. You know what they do? They make tents. Kind of cool. I mean, now who are they making tents for? Think about this. They're making tents for the Roman army. This occupied, uh, they're in this occupied land, and the Roman army is the conquerors, and they're making, uh, they're leather workers making tents for this Roman army. 
So um, they're making these tents, and they're doing this trade, and they're all working together. He has his full-time job, and on the extra, he's able to talk about Jesus Christ. Um, now look what it says in verse 4. Each Sabbath, Paul reasoned in the synagogue. Now let me tell you what that is. That's the Jewish church. It's people who didn't know about Jesus Christ, but who knew about the Old Testament and had the same background as Paul. So Paul went to people with the same background he did because it's easy to connect with people who you have that same background with. So each Sabbath, Paul reasoned in the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike. So Paul is going and he's building relationships with these other Jews of similar backgrounds. And the verse says he reasoned. That Greek word uh, is called dialegomai. And it kind of sounds like this, dialogue. And it's the, that's the exact same word where we get dialogue from. It says that Paul talked about his faith. He dialogued about his faith. Uh, Paul spent time talking with other people, spending time with people and talking about his faith. He invested in people, and then he invited them to believe what he believed. Uh, He he wasn't afraid to have a two-way conversation. And here at One Church, we're not afraid of having a two-way conversation about faith either. Some of you, you may think, you know, I've never been to church before. You say you preach out of this book. Why, why, Why does this book even matter? Well, you know what? Instead of just telling you to set up, you know, shut up, sit down, and, and don't ask those questions, we believe that, you know what? Let's talk about that. In fact, we even, we've created an environment called Starting Point that happens on Sunday morning while these services are happening so that you can go in and you can have your questions answered and you can talk about and see about what this Bible is all about. We're going to be starting on our next Starting Point class next month. So, um, but I'm telling you, having that dialogue, that's so important. You don't really get to have that dialogue in a lot of different places. And a lot of times when you ask the, you know, different questions, people label you as a problem. You're not a problem. You just have questions. You want to talk about them. Great. Let's talk about those. And Paul dialogued about his faith. Look at verse 5. It says, and after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia. Now think about Macedonia. Where have you heard that word before? That's where the dude was going, hey, come over, help us. Look at this verse. After Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul spent his full time preaching and testifying to the Jews, telling them the Messiah that you're looking for is Jesus. Let me explain what happened here. So Paul, back in Acts 16, he comes over to Macedonia and he plants a church. Well, he stays there a little bit, and in a couple chapters later happens, he goes to Corinth, and he has to work full time and then tell, talk about Jesus part-time. But then Silas and Timothy came over, and they brought money from the church that he planted back in Macedonia. And the, that church in Macedonia paid Paul's salary, and then he started working full-time talking about Jesus because time is always an issue. It's always an issue. Paul, to this point, was doing ministry on the side. And ministry takes a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of energy. And, and, and Paul and Silas brings this gift in, from this church in Macedonia and pays Paul's salary. Before one church started, uh, we moved here April of 06. And um, uh, my wife ended up getting a couple of jobs, uh, maybe even three. I mean, she was working, working, working so that we could be able to start this church. And I was preaching different places. I was leading worship different places. Um, 
and uh, we ended up coming back, and we lived off of the sale of our house in Iowa. We had we made about twelve thousand dollars that we lived off of. We ended up moving back into my parents' basement so that we could come and plant this church. Um, y'all seen failure to launch? Okay, there you go. I mean, it was, and I love my. I mean, there's no way we could have been able to do this without my mom and dad letting us come back home and doing it because we we didn't have any money. We had no income. Zero, zilcho, jack, all right, nothing. So we're working on this church, and I'm like, hey, um, um, I, I'd like to be able to bring some, you know, I'd like to talk some people about a church and what we're going to do. Hey, Mom, can I invite some people over tonight? Sure, honey. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> it's unique, all right? And then I get a job. Uh, I start teaching a seminary class on how to plan a church. And uh, while I was here, and then I got a, a job working at the distribution center at Walmart in Hopkinsville. How many of y'all work at Walmart here? Anyone? How many of y'all shop at Walmart then? All righty then. Cool. I worked something called PFC, which I was like three, four stories up, and uh, this big conveyor belt of all the stuff going by, and this electronic scanner had to scan it, all this stuff. And I worked there at the night shift. Uh, I got there at like 2.30. And I left at like 1.30, and I didn't see my kids any because I got home and went to sleep, and they left, you know, to went to school. And, and I, you know, but while I was there, you know who I talked about? Jesus. I talked about, hey, we got this new church. We're going to be starting it at the, at the movie theater. And, you know what, uh, and, you know, how many people you got? Well, right now there's just four of us, me, my wife, and our two children. And uh, they're like, great. Yeah, sounds like a winner. Um, so, uh, so we, we do this and my wife, I mean, she is sacrificing and, uh, it was just, it was such a sacrifice, but finally, just as, as the Macedonian church ended up taking care of Paul's salary, uh, a church downtown here called First Baptist Church of Clarksville brought me on and took care of my salary and was able to allow me to go full time talking about Jesus and start planning the church. And I started going to different, uh, cause you really need Christians to be able to do this as a core group. And so I started talking to different Sunday school classes. I started going to different churches. I started talking to a lot of different people. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to plant a church for non-church people. We're going to create a church where people who don't go to church like going. Do you want to be involved? Do you want to get involved? And we just talked and we talked and we talked and we talked about this. And just like, just like Paul had to do this, we had to do this. In fact, just to let you know, we still have pastoral staff right now who don't get a cent here at one church. They volunteer all of their time. They, do the, they have the full-time job, but they do ministry on the side. And it's our hope and prayer as the Lord keeps on growing us that we're able to bring them on and bring more people on that want to do ministry. And uh, we're so excited about what God's done up to this point and what he's going to do, just like Paul did. Look at this, though. Um, verse, this is so cool. Verse 6, when things start going together, you know who opposed Paul? Religious people. All right, look at this. In verse 6, uh, when they, but when they opposed and assaulted him, I like this, Paul shook the dust out from his robes. He took his, look at, oh, Lord, that was nasty. Anyway, he beats his sandals again. He says, you know what? Heck with you. Your blood be on your own hands. If you go to hell, it's because you sent yourself there. I mean, he's getting ticked. All right? So he goes to the synagogue. These religious people opposed and insulted him. How did they insult him? I ain't got no idea. 
But Paul ain't happy. He's shaking the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is on your own heads. I'm innocent for now on. I'm going to preach to the Gentiles. I'm going to preach to the people that you don't like being around with, that you think it's us and them. I'm going to preach to the people that you've given up on. So he goes and he does this. You know, there are two groups of people that don't like churches starting. Satan and other churches. I kid you not. Uh, when we uh, were first starting one church, I remember calling a lot of the pastors around this area up. And I, I called them up, and some were very, very kind and very nice. Others, I, they still ain't called me back. I kid you not. Because they get this weird idea that we're in competition. And Paul went out after the outsiders, and that's the whole reason we wanted to start one church, is for the outsiders. Right? So these 86% of people who don't go to church, let's go after them. So that's what we decided to do. So, verse 7, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door. So he gets kicked out of the synagogue, he went next door, and there's this great house in a great location, and he knocks on the door. Hey, Jesus loves you. you got a really big house. And he goes in, into the house of Titius Justice. And he's a worshiper of God. That's a good thing. Because I'm telling Tedious justice. If you don't like your children, Mama, name your child. I mean, the man must have got beat up a lot when he was in middle school. I don't know. It's just not good. So, but it started in a house. This church started in a coffee house. We started in a coffee house in Madison Street, and we started meeting and singing, and uh, uh, it was just cool. Verse 8, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in the household believed in the Lord, and many others in Corinth also heard Paul. Those believers were baptized. So this new church starts growing. They start celebrating milestones. People are started uh, just being added, just coming. They're getting baptized. Some really, We're getting ready to do a baptism today that I'm stoked about, and I know you're stoked about, Christy. Just a lot of fun. All of this leads me up to the verse that I have on my wall as we end. This is the verse. This is the verse I want to challenge you today. And I want to challenge me today. It says this. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you. And no one will attack you and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. God reaffirmed Paul's original vision back in Acts 16. And he says, I want you to do this. I want you to don't be afraid. You know what fear is? Fear is the opposite of faith. And he's saying, you know what, if you want to believe in me, don't be afraid anymore. You trust me. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. You know, so many of us, we don't like talking about Jesus because we're afraid of what people are going to say or what they're going to do. Are they going to reject us? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. But what Paul, what Jesus is telling Paul, I want you to go and I want you to spend time with these people. I want you to tell them about me. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. You know, what we call this in one church talking about this is invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest in people that don't go to church. Invest in people that don't believe what you believe. Invest in people that have maybe given up and are sleeping in on Sunday morning. You spend your time with those people. You pour your heart and your life into those people. And then after you've done that, after you've earned the right to be heard, then you invite them and talk about Jesus Christ. 
You invite them to believe what you believe. But you invest in them first. You love them. You serve them. How, how does serving them look like? How do you serve people? Well, let me tell you, what, something that's really cool that y'all did just a couple of months ago, one church gave over 500 pairs of shoes to Lincoln Homes. Did y'all know that? 500. That rocks. That's awesome. You have invested in that community. One of the things that we're going to do on April 4th of 2009, we're already gearing up for this, is we're doing something called Serve One. And it's based off of Serve One Another. And we're going to go into our community on April the 4th, and we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to serve people. We're going to serve homeless. We're going to serve people that don't, they can't do stuff for the homes. We're going to serve people who just need serving. And if they say, why? Let me tell you why. It's about Jesus. But you invest in them, and then you invite. And if you want to be a part of this Serve One, where uh, Samantha Pearson is working on this, soon to be Samantha Woodleaf, uh, she's working on putting this team together. And we have a, 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 a table out there that you can sign up and be, hey, I, I want to help out in this. I want to help plan this. I have some ideas. We're asking you to do that. We're doing a trial run of this September the 27th where we're going to serve the high school. We're going to help clean them. We're going to clean some of this area. We're going to go mow people's lawns for free. And we're not asking for money. We're not asking for donations. They can keep their money. Because we just want to tell other people about Jesus Christ and invest in this community. Look what it says, though. It says, for I am with you. That's what the end of that verse says. For I am with you. And that whole promise, when you talk about Jesus, He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He is there for you. And it says, for many people in this city belong to me. You know, I believe that, church. I believe that in Clarksville, that many people in this city are belong, belong to Jesus Christ. They just don't know it yet. That there are a lot of people out there who are sleeping on Sunday morning because they've given up on meeting a God that really, really truly believes in them. They've given up on finding a church that really matters about them where it's people over programs and buildings, and it's all about connecting people to God. That is what we're about, and that's what I believe about Clarksville. That Clarksville, if God is the God of the city in Thailand, if He's in the God of the city of, of Corinth, He's the God of this city, and He wants to do amazing, wonderful things. The verse 11, this is where we end. It says this, Paul stayed in Corinth about a year and a half more. Paul stayed in Corinth longer than any other town he'd ever stayed in because God was doing amazing things. And I've got to be honest with you, knock on wood, unless God tells me otherwise, I, I'm, I'm, my heart is for Clarksville and it's for one church. And I'm planning on planting and being here for the rest of my life. And, but after a year and a half, Paul goes out and plants other churches. It's our dream at one church that every three years we're planting a church. Every three years we're planting a church. Every three years we're planting a church. Because it's not about how big we get. It's about how much we send people. That is God's heart. And if we do that, I'm telling you, God can, God can say, you know what, one church, I can get behind that. I can get behind that because you're behind what I am calling you to do. So next week is our one-year anniversary. We have a lot of cool things in store next week. Uh, I would encourage you to bring a friend. Um, we're going to be, uh, it's probably going to be packed. Uh, so if you have any friends at 1030, tell them if you want, they want to continue being your friend, they must come at 9 o'clock. So, uh, uh, and I do want to encourage you all and thank all of you all. You all are such a blessing. Let's pray and let's thank God. Lord, you're so wonderful. 
you're so beautiful. Lord, I just I thank you so much that you love Clarksville. And Lord, that you love um, you love this town. You, your heartbeat is the city. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just uh, that we would be able to always keep you in our focus. And Lord, as we make this move uh, coming up uh, at northeast at the end of September, the whole reason we're doing this is so that we can get and talk to more people in this city about you. Lord, we love you so much, Jesus Christ. And it's in your name that we pray.